അയ്യോ ഇറ്റ്സ് മലിക അഗൻ ബംബിങ് ഇൻറ്റു വെരി ഓഫ് ആണോ യെസ് യെസ് ഹായ് ഹായ് बेटा ഹൗ ആർ യു ഹായ് അങ്കിൾ ഹായ് ആന്റി ഓൺ ദ വേ ടു റെക്കോർഡ് യുവർ പോഡ്കാസ്റ്റ് ഐ സെഡ് എ കറക്റ്റ് നോ ഓ വാട്ട് വാട്ട് പോഡ്കാസ്റ്റ് അഗൻ യു ആർ ഫോർഗെറ്റിംഗ് റിമെമ്പർ ഷീ ടെല്ലിംഗ് അസ് അബൌട്ട് ഹെർ ഫാഷൻ ബ്രാൻഡ് കൺസിൽ പ്ലാൻസ് യു നോ ഷീ ഇസ് മേക്കിംഗ് ക്ലോസ് ആറ്റ് ഓഫ് ഗാർബേജ് സോറി ഇൻഡസ്ട്രിയൽ വേസ്റ്റ് Anyway, now she is talking to some diverse and creative people about their own council plans in life. Hmm. Wow, uh, that's quite right actually, Aunty. You know, Uncle, many of us have unexpected twists and turns in our lives. And through my show, I want to look at these plans we make and the plans that we break and how we persevere through it all. Ah, correct. Well done. Ah, quite interesting, I say. So, uh, who are you talking to on the podcast today? On today's episode of the Cancel Plans podcast, I chat with fashion designer Aisha Rao, the founder and creative director of her self-titled label. We talk about our collaborative project, her move from law to fashion, how living in Barcelona influenced her, and the balance between aesthetic, sustainability, and the bottom line. Are Aisha, how are you? You now remind me exactly of my niece. She also studied law like you. Your Ai Baba must be so proud of you. Hmm? But wait, I heard that you are not practicing law. <laughs> you went all the way to Spain and New York to learn Shivankam. Suing. <laughs> that though this second floor Ranade auntie also could have taught you. Why leave law like that? You could have been chief justice of India. But now your clothes shop is using leftovers to make shadi ka kapda. Bridal clothes are not Fodnitsa bhaat that you make from last night's leftovers. See, Baba, who will wear all that? Uncle, watch my Lakme fashion show and you have your answers to it. And uh, if you still feel uh, I ought to do law, then I'm judging you. Should we get Uncle some passes? Now, while we get that sorted, let's jump straight into our conversation. I want to start by giving everyone a little bit of context of how we became friends. Actually, you slid into my DMs on Instagram. It was April 2020. We were all under the foolish impression that the lockdown would last a couple of weeks. <laughs> and both of us I think wanted to collaborate with each other and create a collection that celebrates luxury but also uses waste which is very close to both of our hearts and against a lot of odds we still ended up doing something we didn't get to do all the things we'd planned for but we did do something and it was an impactful piece of work and you were the driving force behind this because i think a lot of it came from your enthusiasm i want to be honest and let's talk a little bit about that process and in the meanwhile we also became really really good friends i think instantly when we met we hit it off and we shared so many common ideas so let's talk a little bit about what kind of thought process was going on back then when both of us came together Yeah as you said it was the summer of the pandemic was um I suddenly had a lot of time in hand I was handling a startup prior to that and I felt like from such a busy crazy days crazy months to having nothing to do was you know it was giving me all sorts of ideas 
and um, the one thing I instantly felt I should do was you know write to you. It's been on, it was on my mind for a long time. It was just that I wasn't getting the time to actually action it out. So um, I finally decided, you know, that I have to get this ball rolling. And I, like you said, I I written to you on Instagram and I said, uh, hey, Malika, this is what we do. And I resonate with that thought process that you've built cancer plans around and, and I want to do something. And uh, funnily enough, you had told me that you had also shopped with us and you had won uh, an outfit from our um, 2019, uh, I think, Rasmata's you had worn an outfit for your cousin's wedding. And uh, I think that's how it started. I was like, okay, she already knows about the brand. She also connects with it. She's made a purchase. And yeah, I think we instantly felt like it was the right thing to do. And I just kept at it. I think despite those two months of not having anything to do, I was always ideating. I was trying to at least come to a mid-ground. You know, I know what you do is streetwear and what I do is bridal. Uh, We tried to create something in between. And yeah, I'm so glad we at least, we tried, we gave it our best shot. Yeah, I think honestly, for me, before you gave this idea also, it's not something I would have ever thought of on my own. And for that, I'm very grateful because I feel like even for Cancel Plans as a brand, collaboration now is so important. And I think for me, it all kind of started with our collaboration to kind of just mesh different perspectives. I was like, before that, I wouldn't even have thought we could have made a lenga with sock waist. Yeah, it's been my big dream. Okay, so when I, um, so I was one of those first batches in school that studied environmental education. Okay, it was introduced in ICSE when I was in seventh standard. And my parents were fairly eco-conscious, like we had no plastic use at home and, and a lot of things like no wastage and, you know, not to use the car till it's absolutely necessary, walk it to the local stores kind of a family. And um, when I was initially trying to decide between fashion and, you know, what to do in life and my parents were like, OC fashion is wasteful. It's also something that we have no access to. Are you really sure you want to do it? So it's all of those thoughts that actually in the end pushed me to take up something else where I started. It was very serious in my household. I mean, we were taking environment so seriously that like, why do I want to do fashion when it's so wasteful? So it was also one of those motivating factors to not take up back then. And I ended up doing law. If in the end, that's really what you want to do. Um, nothing can stop you. So after law school, when I went back to uh, this whole idea of doing fashion, I always kept telling myself, I have to do something that bridges the gap. It just can't be fashion. I should at least attempt it. But with all startups, the first two years is so chaotic. What works for the industry? How do you make a living out of it? Um, it kind of, you get so caught up in, in all of that that you forget that, okay, this is, your core idea this is what uh, you wanted to do and and in the process when I'd seen cancel plans I said okay you know what this is the girl that she's she's doing something about it she's uh, at least giving it a fair attempt then I immediately wrote to you I said you know what I'm in the bridal space but this is always something that I've been wanting to do so is there something that we can do together I'm, I'm also equally glad that we pulled through. We, we did it fairly seriously. We had our terms, uh, you know, we had an agreement. We uh, yeah. kind of tried to do, even though it was two startups, we tried to be as professional as we could. And I think in the end, it did pan out fairly well. I mean, given the circumstances of those two pandemics, we, we did sell, we made back our money. And I felt like uh, overall, it, it was a profitable enterprise for two startups. 
Yeah, absolutely. I consider it one of our big successes. So, I think especially you know in the wedding industry and the bridal wear segment particularly, there's always this perception that it's overindulgent, it's extravagant, it's wasteful like you said. And I think somewhere we were able to kind of say we can even try it another way and i'm quite proud of what we've created because again i think like you said the people will immediately point to fashion and say that it's the most polluting it's the most wasteful but it's also where the biggest opportunity is for us to change these things and i think now more than ever there's a lot of greenwashing yeah and that's like a buzzword now i think it was sustainability a few years ago and now the word is greenwashing so what is your kind of outlook on the balance between aesthetic sustainability and the bottom line actually to you know going back to the the previous uh, question i was really surprised that a bride or anybody going to a wedding would invest in a lehenga that was made from waste it was our big experiment and i really had zero expectations actually i thought okay let's put it out there and that too in a dark color palette i felt that if it this does happen then you know you know nothing about the market you know it's ever changing we are not able to gauge somebody's mindset and who we're selling to unless we put a product out there so that was my big learning from it that we sold at least eight to 10 mangas you know in, in conventional stores like azars and ubans for me that itself said that okay times are changing i'm not saying this is the larger market i'm just saying that there are people out there that are open to a new thought a new vision and they're able to adapt to it and i always you you know i have told you that the whole applique signature that i do stemmed from it that you know i'm going to try and reduce waste at my end and i'm going to really use whatever little fabric that i have to put it back on the same piece on the same lengas so every little you know lining waste was being appliqued back and that's why you see so much color in the there's no particular color palette each season it's just multi color it's because of the waste that we have whatever waste that we have we put it together and we just embellish it to make it look really bridal and exquisite and and stuff like that so now when we were saying it we felt like we need to back it up with evidence because of a lot of people saying sustainability so sustainability was being interpreted in many ways one it was about slow fashion it was about handcraft because people were saying this is not machine made this is not uh, industrial we're not making it in such a scale that you know hundreds of pieces of these are not being made and ultimately going into landfills so they were having their own interpretation of it. it it did not mean that this was completely biodegradable it did not mean that plastic stuff was not used to make this so i think there was such a broad definition of it and uh, of course older brands had a lot more credibility so if they were saying it people were believing it and there was no yardstick to set and see okay this big brand is saying this word is it really true that their product is sustainable now i think people have stopped saying it also because they know that in the end you are doing volumes if you are trying to be where you are you have been selling multiples and if you are using polymers you are using plastic embellishments i don't think you can just say that word so loosely anymore and of course now it's come to a point where i think people are not saying that word but in whatever way they can at least with me now i've realized i'm at a stage where i have 
commerce to also keep in mind because I have these 285, 90 families sustaining in the company. Their families are dependent on my business. So I am trying to strike that balance. So I use that word very consciously. I don't loosely term it as, okay, this is sustainable now because in the end, it's not fully biodegradable. It always had a certain amount of embellishment. I'm just trying to be as conscious as possible in my professional life and in my personal life. I think also oftentimes sustainability is, I mean, right now where we are, sustainability and focus on sustainability is not helping make sustainable businesses. Like there is some amount of compromise. There's no way that you can do it 100%. And I say this often, which is it's better that we have 10,000 people doing sustainability imperfectly than five people do it perfectly. Yeah. So I think also, like you said, it's a little bit of that weird line, right? Like you should appreciate that people are putting in the effort, but at the same time, you should not use it as a marketing strategy when you're not being completely honest about the damage versus the good. <laughs> so I've come to that conclusion that it cannot be two extremes, you know. Maybe, like you said, doing it imperfectly, but at least trying your best to be conscious of what you're consuming and how you're doing it and how much carbon footprint you're leaving at the end of the day is good enough. I mean, if you can do more, please. And I, I started to look at the bigger picture uh, here and I started to target industries where it's more impactful. So right now, my husband and I have invested in uh, Carbon Masters and Carbon Light and we help with the biogas and uh, we're setting up plants for certain sectors to make their own biofertilizer and, and biogas. And, and I feel like probably that helps me sleep at the end of the day that, okay, making an impact elsewhere where by doing a little, you're able to really make a lot of difference. So I have also chosen that path. Yeah, and each individual choice is valid. And I just feel people should not be too policed about it. I mean, this might be a controversial thing to say, but like people should not be policing it that hard when the effort is sincere. But how do you know whether it's sincere? No way of knowing. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Let's go back to one of your major cancel plans. Back in 2009, you joined Law College and now you're a popular luxury occasion wear designer. So what drew you to law? What drew you to fashion? And how did you kind of make this transition? So uh, I, was, I was born into a working class nuclear family where both my parents were lawyers, are lawyers. So grew up with a lot of that talk at home. But I always had, always wanted to be a, in fashion. You know, I used to always sketch as a kid. I, I would show off my sketches to my neighbors. and Everyone knew I wanted to be studying at NIF. In the end, I wanted to be a designer. But, but you know, it's that your environment, you know, and your parents, your neighbors, everyone is that sort of a, oh, we don't know much about fashion. And, you know, we're, they were very far off from what I'm currently doing right now. And it was difficult to digest, I guess. I think my parents said, you know, we're not able to help you in any way. And of course, this whole environment thing also was because I was a bit of an extremist back then. I was really vocal about it. Uh, even in school, I was a huge advocate about like, you know, plastic bands and this and that. I was a little bit of a 
yeah one of those kids in uh, class who would be like hey you know you're carrying plastic and i would be one of those kids and my mom was like oh but you want to go into fashion how come i mean you know isn't that really contradictory to what you claim you you want the world to be and so i really then gave it a very practical thought i said you know let me give this a shot maybe i should go to law school um because by then my brother was already uh, in one of the national law schools and i felt you know when you're 18 you can easily be swayed and uh, persuaded so i felt like maybe it's the more practical thing to do for me so i went to law school and i had no regrets i had a great time it was a lot of learning and uh, it shaped me the practical aspects and the awareness it was great but in the end you know the heart wants what it wants i knew that i didn't really have uh law didn't really have a future like the, the time i imagined in hyderabad i thought it was the right time to make that shift but i definitely was it was a very brave move i felt like there was you know there's this one part of your head that says you know really fashion are you really going to be able to make it but i should give credit to some of the women in the city who had not had any experience in fashion but uh, still pursued it and that gave me some hope if girls who studied business or not really study anything close to fashion could do it you should give it a fair shot before giving up so that's what i did i went studied i did go apply to design schools everywhere i did you know a couple of courses quick courses so i studied for two years i studied design for two years i won't say that i have zero experience in it or education in it but it wasn't as vast or expansive as a nift but when i came back you realize that what you have to do was what you have studied there's never a correlation you know at least in our cases in india because i don't know you know you can study the world but when you it comes to the practical application of it and starting a business it's very different so the first two years were a huge learning but uh, yeah i'm just really glad the way it panned out yeah i think the heart wants what it wants i mean similar for me as well right i also have no fashion background as such but it drew me in yeah i know barcelona has been a huge influence both in your design and in your life and i want to hear a little bit more about how you went there what you did there and what you kind of brought back with you i would say it was really the best two and a half years of my life because um you know i just got married and also one of the things that my husband and i had in mind then was you know it would be really nice to get away initially and do our study and live a life on our own before we got back to the real world and a lot of responsibility back home and we planned it that way we applied to uh, schools in common cities like we applied to london we applied to barcelona but barcelona is where we both matched and was very close by so it was the most practical thing to do and when we got there it was really the best time because it's not a pedestrian city it's large enough but also small enough and it's got a really charming way of life there was a lot to learn you set up your own house you speak a new language so i i studied spanish uh, for a year and a half here only to go there and learn that uh, it's catalan that they speak <laughs> spanish does work but uh, yeah i've tried to learn a bit of both and when i got there and i seen how much of sustainability that 
you know, is a part of their lives. You know, they don't own cars in Spain, not too much. At least in Barcelona, everyone uses public transport or cycles their way to work. There's a lot of learning there. The entire thought process in doing anything, into starting any, like even product design, used to stem from being green, going green. What could we do to save that energy? And Spain is one of the most sustainable countries in, in, in Europe. And um, I think that was also something that really drew me to it, that there is a lot of potential. And you know, the color, the, the way they've designed their buildings, it's, it's also very me. You know, even though these are buildings, they've used such feminine artworks all over the building and it's all great. It's not like a modern building. It's a lot of warmth to it. And in the end, I think it's also having those first two years of companionship in, in another city that also made it very special. You can't take that away from it. Overall, a beautiful uh, place to live and to learn. And yeah, we've come back. We, we knew that we have to take some of these lessons and probably bring it to our work back. And uh, it also helps my husband in his business also. He's taken a lot from that. And uh, in general, the Spanish, like the way of life in Spain, they have a, a huge work-life balance. And of course, in India, it's, it's not realistic to have that. Probably at this, you know, the siesta time. And yeah. But they're very sticklers for it. And they have, they have a better balance than most of the world with the family and uh, work life. And overall, like I said, Barcelona, I think, has, is a very special place and will hold that special place in my heart for a long time. That's amazing. I love that. What advice do you have for someone who's about to take a real risk in their lives? Someone who's like challenging everything they know and you're cancelling a plan to try and do something better, something new, something different. What advice do you have for someone like that? So I'm a fairly instinctive person and I've really trusted instinct in my life. Uh, I don't know if I can really recommend that to everybody. but in the end, if you really want something, you have to trust the universe, give it a fair shot. And of course, be wary of the risks that come with it. You know, I very well knew when I was jumping into fashion that it might not work. I gave myself a couple of years. I said, this is when I will call it quits. Some people might wait for longer, but I knew that I had a certain amount of time that I could do this for. So I would say life is too short for regrets. And you should give it a fair attempt, but um, work really hard to make it happen. Uh, by fair attempt, I mean that you should give it your all. When I was starting in fashion, I'd seen an interview by uh, Shubhika from Papa Don't Preach, another fashion brand. And she said, for every fashion brand, she said, give yourself five years, you know. And I actually stayed with that motto. Actually, I gave myself lesser time. I gave myself two years to really see if I was able to do something about it but for any business for any enterprise five years is a good time for you to gauge whether this is something that would work or not and if if you're able to have that clarity before great in my case it's taken me I mean the pandemic is something that we couldn't predict and these things happen and uh, if it were uh, me in another time I would say that I probably wouldn't have had the courage if I didn't have the support. My husband uh, was a huge support for me. So for me, it was far easier. I feel that there was a lot of privilege there that I had that support monetarily and uh, emotionally. And not everyone has that. So 
trust your instinct, give it a fair shot, set a timeline for yourself, give yourself a deadline. This is what I'm able to commit to it um, so that it doesn't break you in the end. And uh, come out of it with a lot of learning. I mean, if it works, great. If it doesn't, there is a huge learning in it. And you've tried and you've learned. So it's always better to take that risk if you're able to and wait on it uh, for as long as, I mean, you've uh, set for yourself and work hard because I realize you might have talent, you can have the right finances, you can have emotional support, but if you don't work hard, hard as in give it your all initially, it's very difficult. You should have that grit for any enterprise. You should have that perseverance that I shall see this through and I believe in this and I will. I believe that it will work and just go for it. That's great advice. Thank you so much. I am really uh, glad we made this happen and this was much needed. It sure was, Aisha. Thank you so much for joining me on the show and sharing your stories and advice. Check out the episode description to see where you can follow Aisha and her work. Oh, and don't forget to check out Cancel Plans at www.cancelplans.com. Follow us on Instagram at cancelplans.club and come say hi to me on my personal Instagram, which is at Malika Reddy G. See you next week. Yo, tell them to follow me also. Even I have opened one Instagram account. Oh, really, auntie? Sure, of course. What's your Instagram handle? Ha- handle? What is handle? I don't have any handle and all that. What is this? <laughs> okay, no problem. You can tell them next time, okay? <laughs>